0: Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Kroger, fresh for everyone.
1: Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans.
0: Here's your host, Brandon Adams. You know that meme, The I guess it's a gif, or whatever, I don't even know what like the technical terminology is, where the little girl shrugs her shoulders and says, why not both? It's pretty popular. I think it was a TV commercial at one point in time. Yeah, I'm reminded of that because you go back to, like, the class of 2019 when we were debating all the time between, like, Rick Gilbert, uh, the you know five-star at the time tied in out of Marietta, Georgia, and Darnell Washington, the five-star tied end out of Nevada, and there was a lot of chatter of, well, if you could have one or the other, which one would you want? Would you want Gilbert? Would you want Washington? And a lot of Georgia fans were left to say, hey, why not both? And there was the thing that Todd Hartley was really popular uh, for doing at the time where he'd kind of do the you know, the Jordan Pippen tweets together, the, the magic James Worthy. Did he do one of those magic cream? Uh, uh, there's a lot of like Kobe Shaq, I guess was the other one he kind of did. Uh, you know, the, 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 great players playing together. That's what Hartley tried to do. And it took a little while, but lo and behold, here we are. Uh, Eric Gilbert is on the Georgia roster. Darnell Washington is still here at Georgia there as well, even though Gilbert now probably a wide receiver, Gilbert and Washington are on the same team at the same time. And As I alluded to in one of the shows earlier this week, that you know, sometimes we can be guilty of talking about something so much that we end up not talking about something else enough. And listen, we've been Eric Gilbert fans around here for a long time. So if there's any show that was going to be guilty of talking too much about Gilbert, it was probably going to be us because we were talking a lot about Gilbert before it was even remotely possible that he was coming to Georgia. So you better believe that once he was officially on the UJ roster or on his way to doing that, we were clearly going to be talking about him a lot. However, I think it's fair to point out, though, that, that the outlook for Darnell Washington hasn't changed at all because Eric Gilbert is now on the Georgia roster. In fact, given the fact that Gilbert, at least based on some of the chatter that's been out there, is you know kind of a wide receiver by both name and trade at the moment— then that makes the situation for Washington even more potentially robust this year that really Gilbert would not seem to be taking away any of his touches at all this season, nor do I think he should take away any of the the spotlight that that Washington could have on him. The bottom line here is, and I'll say that first and then kind of work my way towards the conclusion as to why, is I think even with Eric Gilbert on the Georgia roster, the, the outlook for Darnell Washington is just as big as it ever was, and I think it's important to remind ourselves of the things that we were saying about Darnell as a tight end way before we ever could know for sure, or even would be, you know, likely to assume that Eric Gilbert was going to join Georgia as a uh, as a wide receiver in a potential tandem on the field with Darnell Washington at the same time let me give you a few examples here all of these high-profile names how about a guy who knew Washington from his freshman season in the Georgia tight end room Trey McKitty? now in the NFL the NFL scouts love Trey McKitty. McKitty obviously has got a lot of football pedigree attached to his name then and while NFL teams liked McKitty, he had a nice draft uh, success story here this past spring McKitty also really liked Darnell Washington Washington too here are his words from George's pro day as a reminder of what we all should think as a real possibility for Darnell Washington here this year
1: he's gonna be a problem you know I said this a lot even to talking to teams this offseason like you know guys that come in as a five star you know really think they know it all and you know have a big head but he really came in like willing to learn um you know he come to me asking questions all the time and I think that was that was huge uh, you know me being an older guy so I was able to help him I think he'd be a great player in the future
0: I think that's a really interesting way to describe this. McKitty, who obviously would know because he worked his way towards the start of an NFL career, that a lot of these five stars, he would say, and I'm paraphrasing, of course, a lot of these five stars just kind of want to lean on their talent or lean on their reputation or kind of, Let that be enough, that they maybe don't want to roll up their sleeves and do the hard work that's necessary to become a truly great player. McKitty suggests that's a possibility with some, but also hints that that is not what seemingly has gone on with Darnell Washington over the course of his first year on campus there at UGA. And. I think you can back that up with what others have said there as well. I mean, think about Kirby Smart. After a nice day for Darnell Washington on G-Day, something we all saw with our own eyes, really mirroring what we'd seen Missouri game at the end of last year, bowl game, win against uh, Cincinnati. We saw more of that kind of picking up where he left off there against Cincinnati. And as you might expect, Georgia coach Kirby Smart also liked what he had seen from Darnell Washington. Here's Kirby from back in April.
1: Well, uh, it's interesting. He, You know, he, he wasn't able to practice all spring, so he missed uh, some time. And and just getting him back gave us a, a, another weapon, at least for this game. But uh, he missed some time there. And um, I know his conditioning level is going to be important to him to make sure he's, he's really in shape. He's a great target. He's a big target. Uh, he's an athletic guy. And uh, he's a weapon. we got to find ways to be able to utilize him both in the passing game and in the run game because he's a weapon
0: in both. So I like that from Kirby Smart. Now, first of all, he says, hey, he's got to keep working on physical condition things like that. I'm sort of starting to think that's a little bit of a stock phrase for Kirby Smart, Then, like when he wants to keep anybody from getting the big head uh, or, you know, praising a guy too much, always kind of throws in the, hey, he's got to watch his weight. He's got to watch his physical condition. It seems like Smart throws that in a lot on that. But it's kind of interesting as an addendum to what we played from McKitty a moment ago. McKitty saying, hey, Darnell Washington shows up ready to work. He wants to be a great player. I like the suggestion you get from Kirby Smart there that there's also responsibility for George of the program, Smart, and his offensive coordinator, Todd Munkin, to also do some hard work here, there as well of, hey, let's make sure we remain creative in how we use Darnell Washington. Smart talked about that before. Remember the Missouri game when he talked about how big plays when Darnell's running against a safety that's not covering on a full-time basis and that's something that a good offensive coordinator can exploit and obviously Smart said he wants you know multiple tight ends in the field so you can do more of that kind of stuff and I, I take that pretty seriously and I think that's a good way to describe all of this and That's almost like a furtherance of that, right? From Smart saying, hey, we just got to find ways to use him because he's a weapon in the running game too because as a big guy, he's such a big blocker. But to kind of even go a little deeper on this, JT Daniels, always a very articulate spokesman for the Georgia football program, when he talked about Darnell Washington after the spring game, also talked more about the ways in which, much like Trey McKinney had said, he'd seen growth and maturity from Darnell. JT Daniels said he kind of saw the same kind of stuff, and this is an important part of this discussion too. Here's JT on Darnell.
1: Yeah, you, you definitely do see a development in him. You know, last year, obviously, when you're coming from high school football to a real, you know, Coach Munkin NFL system in college, uh, there's a there's a shock that hits you right away, um, you know, just because there's so much to it. Uh, you see it this year. Um, he gets a signal right away, and he knows what he's doing. He's not thinking twice about it compared to last year. You know, everyone that's new has, a, you know, a lot of mental errors, and, you know, it's just, it's just new. Um, and in terms of his development physically, I think he's gotten a lot smoother. Um, in terms of getting in and out of breaks Um, and he's always had good instinct but it's gotten even better to me in terms of understanding where the ball is going to be thrown uh,
0: understanding where his grass is uh, and really taking advantage of you know his size I mean you can listen to JT Daniels talk right there first of all he's a good talker but you can listen to JT Daniels talk right there and you can be left to think man I can't wait to see what Darnell Washington is going to do in year two in this Georgia offense. And, you know, I'll give you a take that's probably hotter than it deserves to be, but I mean there's a way of looking at this to say that Washington, as kind of a unique tight end, remaining at tight end, is almost a more interesting story for this Georgia offense than Gilbert, a former tight end, now playing wide receiver. And that's not to downplay what Eric Gilbert can do for Georgia this fall. I mean, I've told you before that I think in a lot of ways, you know, Gilbert is very similar from an athletic standpoint to what George Pickens was. That's kind of the ceiling and the expectation that that Gilbert could potentially meet and eventually meet at, at a place like Georgia or his NFL career or whenever else. But like Darnell Washington remaining at tight end, You know, being you know you know a big size guy there at the tight end position, boy, that's just that's just really fun to think about. And I think it would not surprise me at all necessarily if if Washington ends up having more yards as a tight end receiving for Georgia this year than Gilbert has as as a wide receiver. Not saying that's going to happen, just suggesting that's a possibility that could happen. And I'm saying that as one of the biggest Eric Gilbert homers in the entire world. I think that he brings great talent. But I I have really grown to appreciate uh, what Darnell Washington can do for this Georgia offense too, both in terms of what I saw with my own eyes but also in terms of what folks are saying about Washington. Trey McKitty on his way out the door, JT Daniels eager to work with him again, Kirby Smart is kind of the guy overseeing it all as it takes place. This is a very, very interesting name on in the Georgia offense. I love the way that Trey McKitty said this moment ago, a problem for opposing defenses this fall. It's not hard to, to believe that it indeed will be true. My name is Brandon Adams and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans presented today by Kroger and glad to have you with us. No matter how you get to us today, live on video, 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, Uh, back on the radio again when I'm back from vacation next week. Looking forward to that there on Athens Sports Radio 960, The Ref, and as a podcast wherever you find them, Apple, Spotify, Google, wolfamousdognation.com many of you listen right there through soundcloud however you do we just really appreciate you doing that and a, big, uh, a huge appreciation to our friends at kroger for making all of this possible you know kroger just does so many great things for our audience such a um you know just a great great place and a great uh, opportunity to enjoy the summer there as well in fact you can get down and enjoy some fun in the summer with our friends at kruger right now they've got everything you need to get ready to do just that uh one time the grills the patio furniture the pool supplies uh, of course all those great ingredients as well to make that cookout you're doing this summer uh really special and fun that's what kroger provides so just stop by the kroger closest to you and you can find out all of that for yourself uh dog nation daily presented by kroger today and we are proudly so there in that regard all right it's jeff Sintel coming up in just a little bit we'll go on the road with him assisted by triple a a lot of recruiting talk with jeff coming up on the show today i'm looking forward to being able to do that before that though i want to go around the doghouse and this is what this segment's going to be here just for a second now, i hope i can explain this properly So there were a few things related to Georgia's upcoming schedule that we have thought and talked plenty about. Everybody knows how big the Clemson game is to start the season. Everybody knows how much revenge is at stake for Georgia against Florida. On paper, seemingly the next toughest game that Georgia will play and arguably the most important game in the regular season that Georgia will play of all. We talk Georgia-Florida all the time on the show. Then there's also the look ahead to what might the SEC championship be like if and when Georgia qualifies for that. We think, of course, they will. We talk plenty about that. However, there are a lot of other games on the Georgia schedule that we don't talk very much about. And on paper, this would appear to be as manageable a schedule as Georgia is likely to play in the foreseeable future and maybe that has played in recent past there as well. But there's also the strong possibility that one of these games – Ends up actually being in reality a little tougher in the moment that it's played than it appears to be right now. So there are a few questions kind of in my mind about certain SEC teams and certain teams on the Georgia schedule, not related specifically to Georgia, but obviously relevant for Georgia depending on how these questions get answered. These are questions that, if answered in a certain kind of way, might make a certain game on the Georgia schedule a little tougher than it initially appears to be. Does that make sense? Let me show you the questions here on the screen. We'll kind of roll through these here a little bit. Here are BA's burning questions as it relates to the teams on the Georgia schedule that we probably haven't talked too much about. Question number one, is Brian Harson ready for the SEC? Here's the thing we know. Harson's a good coach. He's a competent guy. He's won plenty of games at Boise. You can't be that successful as frequently as he was and not be a pretty good coach. But the SEC is an entirely different animal, and you have to have really tough, thick skin down here. You have to, you have to really be able to coach with an edge about you. I haven't seen an edge yet from Brian Harson. doesn't mean he doesn't have one. I just haven't seen it. Beyond that, the two coordinator hires that Harson made appear to be pretty good. Derek Mason is your defensive guy. Go back to his time at Stanford. He was a very good defensive coordinator. You can say what you want as a head coach, but no doubt this is a guy that can be a top-flight defensive coordinator. Mike Bobo, I have a little bit more questions about it. And I say this is a huge Bobo fan, but the truth is that that Bobo at South Carolina struggled a little bit last year. And Bobo right now stands as a little bit of an outsider in this league in terms of the fact that he's probably, you know, by uh, instinct, a little more conservative right now than the average you know, really good top SEC coordinator is. And all that kind of adds to what Brian Harson provides for year one. We'll find out a lot about Harson before he even plays Georgia. They're on the road at LSU and on the road at Penn State in the games preceding the trip by Georgia to Jordan Hare there in October. But that'll be a question that needs to get answered. Here's another question What does Sam Pittman, the Arkansas coach, have in store for year two? This is another one of those games that on paper seems like an easy game to dismiss. By Georgia fans for the dogs there that day. Georgia won easily on the road and Arkansas a year ago. But then you remember that in the 37 10 final score, a lot of the heavy lifting in that game was done in the second half. The first half was not exactly a thing of beauty for the dogs. And while that seemed like a really bad thing for Georgia at the time, the truth is Arkansas after that went on to win a bunch of games. And as I kind of predicted they would, really stood up for Sam Pittman in year one all of a sudden now there's a lot of experience returning for that team now in year two trying to figure out at quarterback of course but but you know coordinator continuity on both sides of the ball a lot of experience hard to do a second time around what Arkansas did a year ago which is sneak up on some teams but I think Sam Pittman's on his way to being an established coach in the SEC are they good enough to make Georgia feel a little bit challenged When the Hawks come to Athens later on this fall, that's another one of those questions I'm kind of thinking about and asking myself as you kind of look at the other games on the Georgia schedule besides the ones we most prominently think about. Then there's this. Who's going to be Kentucky's starting quarterback this year? I find myself thinking a lot about that. Now, that's not exactly the hottest football topic in the world. I get that. But we already know, and we talked about that on one of our SEC throws earlier this week, Wildcats are probably pretty good on defense. Also, as I'm recording this show to air on Friday when you're all seeing it, I just found out that Jock West Jones, the former Ole Miss linebacker, is now going to Kentucky there as well. So that's another defensive piece the Wildcats get. They're good on defense. They're going to run the football really well. What if Joey Gatewood steps up as a former Auburn guy who, at one point in time, kind of drew some comparisons to Cam Newton? I'm not saying he'd be that good, but... But, but what if he's a, a capable quarterback for Kentucky? All of a sudden, that becomes maybe among the more dangerous games for Georgia in the SEC East. Not a game that I'd expect Georgia to lose, but that's an example of how a game that no one's really thinking about right now could be a little tougher by the time it's played than you, than you probably imagine to be right now. I would say that Gatewood is the name that he really steps up and, and earns something here this summer for Kentucky could make that a, a much more formidable foe because of the fact that he once had the track record of being at Auburn and once had a lot of you know a lot of fan support when he was there as a guy who might eventually be the quarterback there just didn't quite work out but he brings the athleticism he's got a big arm and probably a name worth following here later on this summer now final question for you and this one's really off the radar but I'll spend just a couple seconds explaining why it matters to me how good is UAB this is the team that Georgia plays week two, the week after the Clemson game. Do I expect the Blazers of UAB to be good enough to beat Georgia? No, I do not. But they're over under total in Vegas right now, seven and a half. Uh, they've won the their division in Conference USA, I think, three years in a row. They've been bowl eligible four years in a row. UAB's not good enough to beat Georgia, but I'll tell you this right now. UAB is better, I would say, than at least two of the SEC teams on Georgia's schedule right now. They're clearly better than Vanderbilt. I think they may even be better than South Carolina, that that UAB may be an easy win for Georgia, but it ain't the worst team that Georgia plays this year, not by a long shot, not even an SEC play. So Bill Clark, the head coach there, is one of those guys that would seem to be in line to eventually get maybe a bigger, better job. And who knows? You know, I think fans have a tendency to kind of lump like anything that's not power five opponent into the same category. But there's a big difference between like, say, a bowl eligible group of five team, which UAB typically is and like some FCS team that has a losing record they may all seem like just sort of football teams off the radar but the truth is is like there's a a pretty big chasm between the UAB level there in Conference USA and kind of the FCS level, which is probably was it Charleston Southern is that Georgia's other opponent? Like, there's a big difference between Charleston Southern and UAB. But so those are kind of my burning questions related to the Georgia schedule. Some of those games kind of off the radar, not Clemson, not Florida, not SEC championship. What's happening with those? Some of those other games. I think those are the uh, are the answers that need to be determined here to determine just how tough that Georgia schedule really is. All right, before I get Jeff Centel, let me wrap up around the Dog house. And also say hello to my friends who were enjoying some Finnish long drink here this summer. Boy, what a great thing that is. Uh, Ready to drink right out of the can. It's not a beer. You know, you hold the can, it kind of almost looks like a beer, but it's not a beer. You pop the can open, you find that out yourself. It's like a mixed drink that you don't have to mix. It's just like ready to drink right out of the can and it tastes great. Whether it's the cranberry flavor or the traditional, which is kind of more like a citrus grapefruit style flavor, you can get the long drink zero, you can get the long drink strong. A lot of different choices. It's been one of those things that's been big over in Europe, in Finland and particular for a long time. Like the Helsinki Summer Games of the 1950s is where this It's actually a really cool backstory. If you ever go like to longdrink.com, you can read about this kind of how the drink came to be. It's kind of a really fun story to understand the heritage that exists behind all of this and also to discover how it arrived in the United States. I think 2018 it first came with state state. and it's now in the state of Georgia there as well. So if you go to the longdrink.com, you can learn all about this, including where you can find it close to you. You can try some, cranberry the traditional the strong the zero whatever your choice is i'm telling you it's a great thing for the spring and summer a lot of folks are loving it uh it's been a it's been a really fun part of everything that i'm doing here uh this season thus far so enjoy some today ready to drink right out of the can and it tastes really really good so it's the long it's the finished long drink online thelongdrink.com you can find out where to pick some up all right final sec through this week of looking at some really cool quotes by coaches who didn't want to go on the record didn't want to give us their name but they gave us some strong statements but a few sec teams we'll do that today but for now kind of a big picture look of where everything stands with UGA recruiting and yes I know that there's a chance over the course of a long week, some news has broken since I've been gone. And obviously speaking to Jeff, he, you know, not having a chance to ask him about that, that's not ideal. I, I certainly understand that. I appreciate you letting, letting me enjoy the uh, vacation though. And so we'll do kind of a big picture look at UGA recruiting and react more live in the moment next Friday when Jeff's back with us again after that. So thanks for being here on Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger. Let's go on the road assisted by AAA with Jeff Centel right now. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. Good to go on the road, assisted by AAA with Jeff Centel here today, as I am still on the road, enjoying a little bit of a vacation week, but trying and hopefully delivering on, trying to provide fun, entertaining content while I am away. That means Jeff Centel talking George recruiting there as well. Jeff, I appreciate your time. Hope you're doing well. You've obviously enjoyed a vacation in between the time that the interview from last Friday played the one we're doing right now so I'm going to make an assumption here that it was a good time for you even though that the time we're recording this you actually haven't done it yet but my assumption is it probably went well so thanks for being here today
1: hey Brandon that's That's a safe assumption. Uh, I'm sure it was 5 o'clock a lot of times during the day, wherever I was at, uh, enjoying some downtime with my family.
0: So I want to do – I'm, I'm sure that was true, and I hope that uh, I hope that it was. I want to do kind of a big-picture thing with you here for a moment. Obviously, as we're recording this, Georgia just coming off a very busy start to the June recruiting cycle with a bunch of visitors and high-profile decommit, of course, uh, from Bear Alexander, which is older news to the audience who's actually hearing this in the moment here, but kind of with that the backstory and kind of the other visits that are kinda flowing through here, I wanna go big picture for a moment about what you think the rest of the twenty twenty two cycle is gonna look like for Georgia. You know, it seems like the early days of the June visits were a lot about offense, high profile, you know, pass catching targets on hand. Obviously, Branson Robinson, the running back's visit was a pretty big topic here. Gunner Stockton on hand to help entertain some of those guys. It really seems like that you know, the offense and building that around another one of these potential quarterbacks of the future in Stockton. That's a big story for this Georgia in the 2022 cycle. Certainly the early days of the month of June would lead you to believe that's true. How much is that also mirroring what you kind of have in your own mind right now?
1: Yeah, Brandon, I think a a lot of the reviews that um, I've collected, and man, I must have collected it. It feels like a 100 of them already about the new Georgia facilities. One of the things I always hear is I hear about the salt pod, the saltwater pod, Brandon. Now, walk, walk with me down the road for this, because there's a pod. kind of feels like something out of a sci-fi movie, or maybe your favorite anime, where the pod will open up, and it's a little shallow pool, it's saltwater, and they want you to sleep in that. And I've been told that for every, uh, every, every 45 minutes you spend in that pod, that's like three or four hours of sleep in terms of recovery wow. and rejuvenation for your body. And that's something everybody picks up on. That's one of the crown jewels, the hot and cold tubs with the, the TVs everywhere. Those are one of the crown jewels of that new 80 million wealth.
0: Hey, let me stop you for <laughs> a second before because I'm curious about this. I don't mean to interrupt your train of thought because I am very curious as to what you have to say. But have you ever done one of those cold plunges before? Those Have you ever done one of those before?
1: uh you mean a hyperbaric chamber i mean a cold plunge yes but i've never been in like a hyperbaric chamber where they shoot the shoot the freezing cold air and, and no, it's on
0: you but no th- but this is not a hyperbaric chamber right this is one of those cold plunge things where like you get down in like the it's basically like the you know underground cylinder with all of, like the excessively cold water that's what it is right have you ever done one of those yeah, before? i've
1: done one of those in a spa before i have not done uh the saltwater pool or a lot of these hyperbaric chambers so
0: yeah we, listen the, you know, what you, the cold plunge is a shock to the system i can tell you that
1: did you feel like 24 year old ba after you got out of that thing sir
0: no oh, yeah i could have wrestled a, a bear of course <laughs> i guess at this point in time, i'd like to wrestle a bear back to athens but uh yeah you, you definitely can you can understand why people want to do it because you feel more alive than you ever have when you get out of those things for sure
1: Listen, man. I know this will sound like a sports talk radio show, but I know people, and these are the some of the more, uh, I, I guess we would say, well kept or well to do uh, ladies in my that are in the neighborhood and friend groups or whatever. And some of them, man, with their beauty secrets, you hear them over like over cocktail hour. They're they're plunging their faces into a uh, pool of ice every morning to rejuvenate the skin sure. and everything else. I, I don't get all that, but I mean, it's working for some of them. So here's what. So
0: here's what I one at one point in time thought i was going to do i thought i was like really smart i was going to do this because there is like a like a school of thought out there that you should do this like so when you get in the shower in the morning you turn the water on it takes my hot water a little while to kind of kick in right i mean it takes a little while for that water to travel from that tank into the into the shower head where it comes out and so you're supposed to stand there in the cold water until it warms up or some people who maybe have i guess better plumbing than I have will like just have the cold water hit you for five minutes or so before you finally turn that hot water on so like you know not too long ago I decided I was going to do that right I'm gonna I'm like really know what it feels like to really get woken up in the morning that lasted for me about two days and I I I'm I'm just not tough enough to do that beyond that
1: Brennan it sounds like you've got a sketch outline for a new hot water heater uh vendor uh service provider here on dog nation daily man you got half a commercial already already ready with that spot. Um, so the thing here, this is the point I was trying to make, is Gunnar Stockton kind of is that saltwater pod. It's that, it's that jewel you got to have, which makes the connections to Oscar Delp, Tojo Ann Tweed, the nylon Morissette. set. Without that kind of tractor beam, lightning rod um, quarterback, well, then a lot of these explosives that are coming to go play for Georgia potentially – are not going to be there. It's kind of like the lightning rod. And Gunner's a guy we mentioned earlier. He, he's actually worked really hard on Branson Robinson behind the scenes, um, formed a really good relationship with him as well. Those guys were hotel roommates, not roommates, but they were they were in uh, next-door rooms in the hotel on their official visit, and they got to talk every night about the future of scoring touchdowns at Georgia. I think you're looking for the next narratives going forward, I'm going to tell you, buddy, it's simply this. Kojo Antwi on July 5th. Kojo Antwi will either elevate Georgia's class uh, and it will kick into a new high gear with all the explosives uh, on offense. And I think Kojo Antwi's commitment to Georgia will go a long way in even enhancing what is trying to do there with his good friend Oscar Dell. If not, the narrative still exists. It's the old Georgia. You're not going to be able to attract the playmakers. People are going to worry about the development as the wide receiver position. I think Kojo Antwi is probably the next big um, waypoint along the journey here for Georgia's 22 class where it's kind of funny, Brandon, we're saying this about a program that was been number one for a long time, currently number two as we as, as we speak right now, and then we record this. But Georgia adding a player like Kojo Antwi in-state, beating out an Ohio State, beating out an ATM, excuse me, Texas A&M, with all those, uh, with all those um, you know, relationships at Texas A&M and all the, the pedigree at Ohio State about receivers, I think that would go a long way for Georgia to really feel even stronger than ever before about this class.
0: Speaking of the wide receiver situation, in recent days there's been some chatter about like Evan Stewart, another receiver we've talked about before, maybe no longer being interested in Georgia. Now, when some of this kind of stuff emerged with Walter Nolan, a big-time defensive line prospect, I rolled my eyes and said I don't believe that for a second. Stewart maybe not being interested in Georgia anymore at least seems more plausible to me do you think that you mentioned Georgia obviously looking at early July decision date for Kojo Antwi being a big deal is Georgia truly out of it for Evan Stewart another wide receiver that we've talked about before
1: I always thought man Georgia as much as Evan Stewart wants to be around the population center and the media nexus which is atlanta with all those tiktok followers and branding and name image and likeness i've always thought georgia had a had a had a tough road to sound like uh, our grandparents or a a really a really tough road ahead of them because i i, I know i don't know how many of our loot listeners and viewers and audience knows this but uh evan stewart is trained by the same gentleman that trained and worked with tommy bush and uh, for whatever reason i know that georgia uh, the situation with Georgia just didn't work out with the development of Tommy Bush. Um, there's, there could be finger pointing about this. I don't think that, that it really matters here or it's really uh, material or very central to this conversation because I think Tommy Bush, where he wound up coming out of Georgia was not transferring out of Georgia was not the, the destination that an Under Armour All-American back in 2018 uh, should rightfully go to um, you, you look at Tommy Bush and a lot of people point to you know that spot in the 2018 class, which was for a big, fast, long receiver. Um, you know Elijah Moore was also a part of georgia's class in that in that group along, along with Justin fields and others and i'm sure the revisionist history on that if everybody wanted to go doc Brown in 88 in the Delorean and see what Georgia's offense would have looked like with Elijah Moore maybe the last three or four seasons, um, how much more productive Georgia would have been there. Um, I, I think Evan Stewart always wondered about the wide receiver development at Georgia. And, you know, that at least Florida can have some recent history to point to, especially in the first round this year with Kadarius Toney about wide receiver explosion, one-year turnarounds and development there. I don't think Evan Stewart, Brandon, and Walter Nolan's uh, tweets and comments coming out, whether they were leaked or whether they were legitimate. I don't think this is Warren Brinson 2.0. I don't think this is Marcus Rosemead Jack Saint 2.0. I've always thought Georgia and Stewart was going to be a very hard climb, uh, and I think that's what's, what is materializing now.
0: Let me ask you a couple other real quick things here. We're on the road, assisted by AAA with Jeff Dell today. By the way, a reminder about AAA – You know, when you switch and save with AAA for your auto insurance, you can save on average $529. Those who have, from our audience, switched and saved with AAA, they've been very happy with the results they've gotten. So when you think roadside assistance with AAA, also think about uh, auto insurance there as well and the great work they do to take care of our audience here today. You see it on your screen for those watching on video, the website AAA.com. That's AAA.com slash auto insurance. AAA.com slash auto insurance. Switch and save with A today. So, Jeff, I saw where in recent days Jeremiah Alexander, the big-time uh, pass rusher out of uh, Thompson High School in Alabama, has kind of turned off his social media. What is it that LeBron calls that? Is it zero... Uh- Yeah, yeah, zero dark 30 or whatever he calls that when it comes to uh, turning off the social media. Either way, Alexander seems to have kind of turned that off. Uh, Does that impact his recruitment one way or another? I mean, selfishly, I'd love nothing more for him to unplug his cell phone because he's tired of Alabama folks uh, bothering him all the time and he's looking to get out of that state. But uh, admittedly, the news could be different than that or, or even less significant than that. What do you make of Alexander kind of going quiet here in the remaining days of his recruitment?
1: Well, he's got a ways, um, you know, Brandon. I think for him, this is just a really focused guy, a very guy that really, really, really prioritizes his focus. He wants to stay away from distractions. I mean, every time I, I've encountered and spoken to Jeremiah Alexander, he's very much a guy that uh, that doesn't think about that doesn't think about dinner when he's focused on breakfast and lunch. I mean, he did this last year when he decommitted from Alabama because he wanted to focus. On, on being a, a repeat state champion in Alabama's largest classification. I think this is just another countermeasure he can do with all the distraction and the clutter in his life. I think him getting off social media where he's either going to hear go to Clemson, go to Georgia or go to remain at Alabama. I, I think that's that's become you know something he doesn't need in his life. That's why he's removing it. Um, you know, it's gonna make this recruitment seem even more like a, a two thousand five recruitment to me where um, you know, all the things that you know, where fan bases can really interact and 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 really move the needle for a lot of these guys that won't take place. It'll be very old school. But there's a lot to like about Jeremiah Alexander. I would think that a lot of these things, to me, illustrate that this is a very tough call. It is not a it is not a decision that Alabama is still the the silent clubhouse leader actually, you know, it's been relayed to me and the the way it's been laid out to me is that Clemson won the off Clemson won the pandemic recruiting cycle for Jeremiah Alexander and they're a major contender along with Georgia and Alabama. I think that's just gonna be so hard. It's so hard for an, an in state kid from Alabama to make the decision that he wants to just remove all those obstacles from his life and just focus on what he
0: thinks is important. Last thing, really quick here. I thought one of the early interesting storylines to emerge in the month of June for UGA recruiting was the interest that seems to be there with uh, Donnie Dennis Sutton, the, you know, I, I guess you call him a pass rusher from Maryland who might be going to Penn State, but certainly there was a lot of chatter involving Dennis Sutton and UGA there as well. What did you make of all of that?
1: Yeah, I think Dennis, Denny Dennis Sutton, I think I wrote on one of million things we've written of late about official visits and on forum.dognation.com and kind of now on my Instagram page is that, man, there's there's a lot of ways that I can see Danny Dennis Sutton getting into the class. I mean, he's big. He's really physical. You look at his links, Dan Lanning is looking at him to restock his Wolfpack tribe or his Wolfpack clan um, with, you know, guys like Anderson, Beal, uh, Nolan Smith. Uh, those type of guys expected to move on after this season, move on to the NFL after this season. At least a lot of them can project, to with a great year. Uh, I think Sutton fits a lot of the boxes. Brennan, he's got a final three. Uh, He's got Alabama and Penn State in there. Um, I don't know, man. Uh, Penn State in a a mix with Alabama and Georgia, I don't know if I like their chances in that fight because not a Pennsylvania guy. He's a Maryland guy. Sure. Danny Dennis Dennis Sutton was also hosted by uh, Mikhail Sherman over the weekend on his official visit in Athens. Um, And number 70 overall player in the country, I see that here very recently, Rivals.com just made him a five-star as well. So uh, that's the type of guy Georgia is really in a good fight for, especially out of the linebacker, outside linebacker position. He can look at Aziz Ojolari as a win for Georgia in terms of grooming and developing players of his caliber. And I think Georgia and Danny Dennis Sutton is going to be a storyline to really pay a lot of attention to. And Brandon, here's the thing all those folks with short attention spans want to know. I think he's going to make his decision sometime in the next four to six weeks.
0: Well, that's very interesting stuff there, Jeff. Great, great stuff. Thanks for being here on the road, assisted by AAA. The next time we speak to you on this show, it'll be the live version of you. We'll obviously be recapping everything that's been happening for George in the month of June, so I'll look forward to getting a chance to do that. Thanks for making these vacation shows fun here this week, and as I said before, we'll enjoy the chance to chat with you again very soon there as well.
1: All right, man. Hey, have a good one, man. Talk to you soon.
0: Thank you, Jeff. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. All right, SEC Through coming up. We'll finish off the SEC programs and what the anonymous coaches have said about them in Athlon Sports uh, i think this will be really good stuff our final schools today lsu missouri vanderbilt we'll do all three of those here coming up in a moment a lot on lsu a little bit on missouri and very little on vanderbilt actually what the what the guy says about missouri is actually really pretty fascinating so we'll do that here coming up in just a couple of minutes time actually a few seconds time before that though quick shout out harris cherokee casino resort i love it short drive atlanta where i'm sitting right now and within two hours I can be at the original harris cherokee casino resort property or the harris cherokee valley river and it's casino gaming it's luxury spa it's it's gourmet restaurants it's world-class shopping entertainment options returning here the sports book is open how much fun is it to kind of like spend the day playing sequoia national golf course you know get yourself a nice dinner then kind of roll right in the sports book get some action down on some nba playoffs or whatever else what a great I mean, who am I to tell you what to do with your life? But what a great getaway that is to enjoy yourself for a couple of days there at Harris Cherokee Casino Resort or Harris Cherokee Valley River. That is all really fun stuff. Website, let me give you that. Find out more about it. You can also become a Caesars Rewards member, which provides plenty of nice incentives for you as well. Caesars.com slash Harris-Cherokee. That's Caesars.com slash Harris-Cherokee. That'll get you in touch with Harris Cherokee Casino Resort. All right, the final SEC schools from the Athlon Sports SCC Preview Magazine and what the anonymous coach has said about them. More candid because he doesn't have to share his name and really pretty interesting stuff. Let me give you this regarding LSU and I think most of you would say yeah that's probably about right. I think this is interesting though in terms of a comparison between what LSU isn't when Alabama has been. Let me show you this on the screen. We'll read that here regarding LSU. Uh, This coach says the difference between this program, meaning LSU, and Alabama is that when Bama turns over six or seven coaches in a year, the message remains the same. There's a lot more bodies in the building to keep the kids consistent. LSU, on the other hand, has risen and fallen with their assistant coaches and not their head coach. This, the anonymous coach being quoted right there via Athlon Sports. And who could deny that's true? I mean, obviously, most prominently here, is uh, joe brady the passing game coordinator that helped lead lsu to a national championship the uh, Tigers' offense not the same a year ago without him defensively kind of the same thing you know the idea of bringing back bo pelini was just a disaster pelini was awful a year ago for lsu and it's really kind of an embarrassment for for orgeron who and listen I mean, I'm actually a fairly big believer in Ordron as a coach. I think he's more than kind of the cartoon character persona that he's kind of had uh you know drawn around him. He's more than just a funny accent. This is a guy that, you know, had a really good record against the spread and against SEC competition and on the road. However, you want to kind of subdivide a schedule, the thin slicing of the schedule, you know, Ordron for the most part had a nice record in all of those subcategories the only thing he hadn't done prior to 2019 was beating Alabama but then he did that when he had you know Burrow and Brady and everything that went along with that so I'm still a believer that Orgeron can coach but it's undeniable that Orgeron has had his most success when he's had good coordinators and obviously last year stepped back in that direction we'll see that changes here this year but LSU thus far has not made much of its 2019 national championship and this is one of those years that does need to change for the Tigers I won't deny that speaking of Tigers the SEC East version of the Tigers is Missouri once again I'll quote an anonymous coach from Athlon Sports who had some very interesting things to say about Missouri here and it's coach Eli Drinkwitz after one year on the job he says they have a veteran quarterback now they have a good running back now offensive staff knows how to score points a year ago Missouri definitely did that he says they're gonna have to shoot the lights out to keep up meaning score a bunch of points but they're making more noise in recruiting right now than they ever really have here in this league. And I don't think that's necessarily overpraise for for Drinkwitz. It seems like they do have some pretty good offensive pieces in place for the upcoming year. They certainly scored plenty of points a year ago, and interesting to hear Missouri being a factor in the recruiting trail in the way they have it before. Here's why this matters. Missouri's a long way from here. On this show, we probably don't spend a lot of time talking about Missouri, but not only does Missouri play George each and every year, Missouri also plays South Carolina each and every year and Tennessee each and every year and Mark Stoops in Kentucky each and every year. And in the SEC East, there just isn't room for every single program to be on the rise. This is not one of those things where you know, everybody can be above average. You know, if you're getting better, then you are making somebody else worse in the process. And for Josh Heupel, who still hopes to be employed at Tennessee three years from now, and for you know, Shane Beamer, who hopes to get off the ground in Columbia and on and on you want to go, if what this anonymous coach just said about Eli Drinkwitz is true, then good luck trying to build a program in a division that includes that team improving at the same time Georgia's as good as it's ever been. You know, Florida a year ago was the SEC East winner, scored a bunch of points. Good luck trying to build something with everybody else trying to build something at the very same time. If Drinkwitz is good, that's a huge problem for teams that Georgia fans do spend a lot more time considering and thinking about the South Carolinas and the Tennessees. Uh, that's pretty interesting. And for a Florida team that's trying to stay afloat after losing a bunch off last year's team, you know we've seen Missouri beat up on Florida before. A better Missouri is a problem for them there as well. One final team to get to here, our last SEC team, anonymous coach quoted by Athlon Sports, and this is actually also a pretty good point there as well about Vanderbilt who you know, has tried to kind of fashion itself as a little bit of a Northwestern of the Southeast or a Stanford of the Southeast. and Academically, they obviously, you know, match that reputation. But this coach says when it comes to on the field in football, you're not Alabama, but you have to recruit the South in the SEC. This coach says that even with high admission standards and a flat culture, no SEC program should be that talent deficient. I think that's probably true. I think Vanderbilt has been scarcely even trying the last couple of years, content to be more interested in, I don't even pretend to say what they've been interested in, but it doesn't seem to be football the last couple of years, and that needs to change. And that's a lot to ask for Clark Lee, their new head coach, but administratively speaking, having a little bit of a commitment to a sport that just heaps money onto the school, I don't think that's asking for too much, nor do I think it would be asking for too much to have Vanderbilt also show up for all of its games this year there as well. So we'll see how that goes. And for now, we'll make that your SEC through. I know I briefly said this a little bit yesterday, but I wanted to repeat myself on this again here today, that vacation shows are a little bit of, um, I guess, a marker of time for me because we've done a lot of these pre-recorded vacation shows now for a number of years, and it always kind of gets me thinking about where we were a year ago when we were doing this and all that kind of stuff, and I just can't tell you how thankful I am. You know, I feel like I've got the best job in the world. I'm so lucky to be able to come here and talk Georgia football each and every day. I'm even luckier to be able to take a week off from doing that and you know have you know the, the trust that you guys will still show up and be a part of what we've done here this week. So it is not something I take for granted that you share your time with me and support our sponsors and all the things that, that you have done to make it even possible that I can take a vacation with my family. So sincerely and I mean this from the bottom of my heart thank you very much thanks for supporting us this week and every week and gator hitter countdown as we say goodbye how about 134 days that's a nice herschel walker style number to finish off the week we'll see you tomorrow monday i should say dog nation daily presented by kroger we will talk to you then and on podcast and on video time now for our rs andrews cool down big thanks to rs andrews for making all this possible air conditioning heating plumbing and electric they'll do great work for you they'll show up on time They'll do the work that's promised, the price that's promised. You can find them online at rsandrews.com. Also, a huge thanks to our buddy Connor Riley. We are finishing up what has been quite a marathon uh, of recorded shows. Now, I don't say that to say hard on me because all I am is a robot. You just kind of wind me up, and I'm glad to just sort of talk. But when you talk about recording five days' worth of shows in a week where you're still doing five days' worth of shows, plus SEC Country Live and everything else we have going on, that's a lot of work. And, frankly, there's more back-end editing on these things than there is – I mean, it's just not that hard to sit in front of a microphone and talk. Some of the work after the fact is what's actually really, really difficult. So, Connor, thank you so much for helping put all these shows together here this week and for all of you who've made it a point to watch these shows or listen to these shows. I really appreciate that there as well. It's really great to be able to provide this for you while I'm gone. And I tell you, I am just so grateful for a chance to sneak away, have some vacation. I just feel I told you this, I think, during the regular show. I just feel really lucky to be able to do that. So thank you so much on all that. Let's do a few comments and we'll get ready to get out the door here. Uh, Raider Beater one on uh, writing into the Dog Nation Forum, uh, once again on Darnell Washington, says, will we use him to his full potential as a mismatch nightmare this year? I, I believe that Georgia is set up to do that this year. I know we've had false positives when it comes to tight ends before, but I do truly believe that this offensive coordinator, Todd Monk, and this specific talent, Washington, and the other tight ends that are available there at Georgia there too, that this may be one of those years we actually do see that take place. Baum asks, how are the new transfer portal guys getting along with their new teammates and coaches? And we've seen in the past, this is very important. And I think it's too early to say and know that right now, but I think your last point is crucial, that chemistry matters here for Eric Gilbert on the offensive side of the ball. Him developing that chemistry will be important for Darian Kendrick, Tyke Smith on the defensive side of the ball. Them learning how to work together with the the defensive backs who've been here, that is going to be very important there as well. So I think... all of this is kind of happening now. I guess there has been some photographic evidence just in the last you know week or so that you know Kendrick is in Athens and he's getting ready to get go here and getting to know some of his folks. I'm sure Gilbert's looking forward to doing some of the same kind of stuff. And you know developing that chemistry with each other is going to matter. We had you know Georgia players tell us this spring that there was a belief amongst the coaching staff that close knit teams were also successful teams. And so that kind of chemistry is what they're working to build right now. Dogs, not dogs, he says D-O-G-S, not D-A-W-G-S, says shooting down false narratives of other fan bases by confronting them with facts. For example, Kirby does not develop. Well, uh, well, we know he's putting these uh, three stars in the money position in the NFL draft. Would appreciate some further data and analysis to confront such false narratives. Well, I think you're right about that in terms of, hey, it's three-star DeAndre Baker became a Thorpe Award winner in the first round pick. Now, he's had some you know, off-field issues, and it's, I think it's still difficult to know exactly what all went on with the situation there with the Giants, but you can't deny as a player he got in position for a big-time play day, a payday there with the New York Giants. I think Jordan Davis is about to be another one of those success stories right now where he's about to move on and go from a three-star prospect to a potential first-round pick. It's a very likelihood that he could be that. You know, this is not necessarily draft success, but think about, you know, on a week where Georgia has offered a Tulsa defensive back. When they brought in J.R. Reed from Tulsa, almost no one knew he, who he was, and Eventually, Reed at Georgia became an AP All-American. That's an incredible success story for a guy at Tulsa that I'm guessing probably didn't dream of that kind of success at the college level. So, the other thing to kind of keep in mind here, and if you're looking for some data to refute other fans with, for all the talk about hey, what does Kirby Smart do with these five stars once they get to UGA? Do the math on this and check it for yourself. A lot of those five stars that fans are asking about, opposing fans, I mean, are still at Athens. They're still at University of Georgia. That that the the story of what kirby smart does as a developer of the five stars that he's been getting a lot of that will be told in the springs nfl draft or the following springs nfl draft where are all these five stars well in many cases they're still on the uga roster mac dog writes in to say that so being that the turnage thing didn't work out i'm guessing the tulsa cornerback is the go-to he says along with the verification is that your uh, thought as well he says, if we did have another decommit, whatever position, does that open up another spot for someone else to get a look from the portal? So here's one thing I'll admit to when it comes to how quickly you get a spot back when a guy goes in the transfer portal, it's obviously the spirit of that rule is you can only have 85 guys on campus at any one time, right? Or, you know, officially on your roster at any one time. And so that's what the spirit of all this rule is. So when a guy says he's transferring, how quickly do you have that, spot to use sometimes i don't know that's 100 percent clear as far as like the turnage and the evans thing evans the the defensive back from tulsa as i'm recording this on a thursday prior to it airing the following friday that's eight days from now the turnage thing for now for me is still up in the air um is he gone? Very likely could be. Of course, this this past week there was some reporting that he was not on the most recently updated Georgia roster, but that's not necessarily a, a hard and fast rule about anything necessarily either. Um, you know, it seems like it seems like there could be some wiggle room there for him to return, but your thought of well if it's not Turnage, then maybe it's Evans from Tulsa, that's a fairly safe assumption. But I'm not gonna be so quick to say for sure that it's not Brandon Turnage, They won't be here. Maybe cooler heads prevail here, whatever led him to feel unhappy or whatever's going on there we know he's at least unhappy about something because Mark Weiser had some reporting on that at the Athens Banner Herald you know at least on the basis of what I understand now the Thursday prior to the week where I'm gone on vacation it seems like that's at least some possibility uh MacDog also asking about some financial investment for foley field this is also coming on the heels of one of our comments from yesterday about investment for the Spectown's track facility there as well i mean i think that you know foley field is interesting to me because i actually really enjoy watching games there i love the compact nature of the ballpark i think it can be a, a fun place to get some great sight lines but there's no doubt that some of the sec baseball stadiums now are just palaces they're just unbelievable and so Georgia hasn't quite joined in on some of that as of yet, and so that's obviously going to be one of those things that uh, Josh Brooks deals with in his you know um, in his early days of of athletic directors. The fact that every athletic you know initiative at UGA has hands out. Everybody wants the money necessary they believe to to compete at the highest level. I guess this is one of those things where. How much better would Georgia baseball be if it had a better state? Maybe it'd be way better. I, I, I don't know. I guess I don't quite find myself sometimes panicking about the state of Foley Field because I think it's good enough. I mean, like, you know, South Carolina has a beautiful ballpark up there in Columbia. They won multiple national championships, but it's not like that ballpark has helped them much lately. Now, I'm not saying that in a way to say, hey, that means Georgia shouldn't want nicer things for Foley Field. But all of these decisions are clearly not made independently that you've got an entire athletic department to, th- to think about here. And as long as the football team which essentially pays for everything else as long as they feel like they are lacking and they had been they needed a bigger weight room they needed, needed better locker rooms in the, in the stadium they needed you know you know some things along those lines they're going to improve some of the premium seating for Sanford stadium for some of the high dollar donors you know as long as the football program is lacking i guess i sort of feel like they got to take care of that before they move on to the next stuff but Maybe pretty soon it's time to start addressing some of that kind of stuff and maybe the Foley Field upgrade or maybe just building a new baseball stadium somewhere else um, can kind of bring Georgia more closely aligned with some of the other ballparks that exist out there. Uh, Christopher Rule says, do you think the offensive line has gotten enough of a Dog Nation daily focus on being the foundation for Georgia's potentially dynamic offense? He says, my concern is that this year's version of the 2021 offensive line Uh, have not really been tested and haven't really gelled together as a unit. So, yeah, I mean, I guess my thing on that, Christopher, is that I believe that the possibility exists that Georgia could be a great offensive line and the possibility exists that Georgia could have some offensive line issues and that the most likely outcome is that the Georgia offensive line may be good, not great. Totally respect those folks on this show who have brought it up that, hey, you know, your offensive line could – you know if it's not if you can't figure out left tackle and if you can't figure out how to protect you know pass protect you could really slow down what should be a very dynamic offense this year And I think it's kind of what some of Christopher's referencing right there and I believe that's true um but I guess my concerns on this aren't quite as substantial as others are and I've tried to make my case about that so far during the season so that's kind of where I am on that um he says none of all the, the happy talk about the Georgia offense takes place at all if this year's offensive line cannot run block, pass block, and do both kinds of blocking very well consistently all year. And I think it's true. I mean, the other thing that I, I've said on shows this week is don't discount the degree to which a better passing attack for Georgia also makes the offensive line's job a little bit easier. They still have to pass protect for that quarterback in those passing plays, but they do have a chance to – you know to not have quite so many box you know players you know opposing defensive bodies in the box that need to be blocked there at that time but good comments uh barkin dog asked what the resting place of all the other uggas he says where they moved during the west end zone uh renovation they weren't moved they're just kind of underground now so if you look at the west end zone seats and kind of on the you know the georgia sideline side whether there's the tunnel that people kind of walk through to get you know, from underneath the West End Zone seats to their other seats. It's inside that tunnel where the UGA graves are located now. Chopper says, is William Shatner's uh, 1978 version of Rocket Man, the best cover of all time? It may very well be. I found this out recently. Did you know that William Shatner's 90 years old? Amazing. 90 years old. That's really amazing. Really amazing. By the way, another dog actually shares the William Shatner in here. That's great to see. Let me do a couple other comments as we wrap up the week here uh very fascinating stuff kind of rolling in here don uh madero says who would have predicted that tj hooker would have come as far as he did i gotta tell you that's a deep cut from the 80s but as a child of the 80s that tj hooker was a great show uh i bet our young connor producing has no idea what tj hooker is so william shatner police officer i've got you i had you at hello on that also a young heather locklear there as well as a, a police officer too there were like two other people on the show, but it's <laughs> Shatner and Lockley are the only two that I remember. Very good police drama. Really enjoyed that. Bill Lohman says, why are Florida and Tennessee fans so, <laughs> and whatever he put, got it uh, edited and uh, uh, censored by the uh, overlords on the on the forum, but yeah, that's probably a good way to end the week. Tennessee fans, Florida fans, they had a lot of problems, and hopefully George ends up being a big problem for them later on this fall there as well. Thank you for making this a great vacation week for me. I really appreciate that. Thank you for being here on both radio and podcast for R.S. Andrews' uh, cool down. R.S. Andrews.com, they will really take good care of you. they get your air conditioning tuned back up to factory for specs. That's a great thing this time of year, and they'll do it for just $99. That's really, really uh, tremendous value. Enjoy the weekend. I'll see you back here Monday. We'll We'll be live, and we'll do it the way we normally do. Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger. I'll speak to you then, everybody.